welcome to the Homegirl Next Door podcast, a show that's all about helping you find a perfect place to call home without resorting to living in a shoebox under the Brooklyn Bridge. I know that buying a house can be overwhelming, so as your resident homegirl, I'm here to make it as entertaining and informative as possible. I'll share insider tips and tricks, bust myths and misconceptions, and give you the lowdown on everything from bidding wars to mortgage rates. Plus, I'll throw in some humor to make the process a little less stressful. After all, if you can't laugh your way through a home inspection, what can you do? So sit back, relax, and let's start the hunt for your dream home. So what's up, guys? Welcome back to a new episode of the Homegirl Next Door podcast. I am your girl, Shakira D, and we are back. So um, this last week has been pretty interesting for me. Um, it's actually been like a weird type of calm these past few weeks. I'm not complaining. However, it's like, you know, you got to be on the lookout for something to happen. So um, I've just been at peace and I've been working. I have been doing my best to keep my clients um encouraged because this market is just it's wonky it's wonky I have clients who I have been working with for a while and it just seems that we're not finding anything and the one thing that I uh, preach is patience you definitely have to have patience in this business and in real estate because things are always changing so what you thought was a good idea 60 days ago, it might not be a good idea 90 days later. So just some things that I have been keeping my eye on, just making sure my clients stay informed, educated, encouraged, um, and laughing because sometimes you have to laugh from crying, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Let's go ahead and jump into mortgage rates. So the past couple weeks, you guys, the rates have been 7%, almost 7% from your 30-year fixed to your FHA and your VA loans. It's about a point, oh, a 0.30% difference between the two. So we're at a 6.92 for conventional 30-year fixed and at a 6.62 for FHA and VA which is for a lot of people shocking because you may have a sister, uncle, cousin, niece, neighbor, a bodega guy who purchased the house three years ago and they had 2.4%. So seeing numbers like this, I'm sure a lot of us are just like, "What's, what's happening? Like, why does it look like it's the apocalypse right now? But these are, um, these mortgage rates are, what a normal market should look like and for the veterans in this business it's this is low for them um mortgage rates are actually at a all-time low historically they are much lower than they were over the last 20 years so always keep that in mind that yesterday's rates are not today's rates as well, um, these rates are for, like I always say, if you have perfect credit, obviously, if your credit is less than stellar, your rate would be a little bit higher. I've been seeing less lenders offer buy downs 
where you can buy down the rate. I don't see that happening as much right now. So the rates are the rates and um, you just need to stay on top of your numbers. One thing I encourage everyone to do, whether you're in the process of buying now or if you're, you're preparing to purchase, is to know your numbers. Like know what your DTI is, know what rates you qualify for, know your income before and after taxes because all of that matters. All of that is important. Um, one thing I do um, like to keep on this um, on this show is making sure that I'm informing you guys not just about residential sales, um, but I do believe in educating. And a lot of the people we need to educate or that needs education are renters. And I like to make sure that this show is well-balanced. And everyone is informed. So for my renters out there, um, you guys know out here in New York City, it's tough. New York City has always been notoriously known for um, having affordability issues. And currently, we're in one of the most um, dynamic affordability housing crises that we have ever been in. Um, One thing that happened over the last few days is that the um, Rent Guidelines Board, they voted five to four to increase rent for rent stabilized housing. Now, a few months ago, the board approved the rent hike for rent stabilized housing. And um, over the last few days that that amount has been solidified. So for all of my New Yorkers, which is a lot of New Yorkers, the city is about eight, nine million people, but most people live in affordable housing and or rent stabilized housing, I should say. And so the board agreed to an increase of 3% for one year leases. And if you have a two year lease, your rent is going to be increased by 2.75% the first year and 3.2% the second year. Now these numbers may seem low to politicians and activists and all these, you know, uh, what do you call like these those people that kind of like petition the the government in their favor favor? So all of these um, homeowner associations and groups and stuff that number may seem low, but for the everyday average New Yorker, that's pretty high. You're talking about increasing their rent a couple of hundred dollars, and their pay hasn't increased in two or three years. So a lot of people are still making the same amount of money they were making for the last two, three years, and yet their rent is going to increase at a faster rate than their pay. Um, it's very disheartening and very unfortunate, and um, I can understand why now a lot. Um, I'm seeing more clients booking consultations and inquiring about home ownership because obviously we need somewhere to live, right? We need to be able to have uh, safety and housing. And it's making a lot of people really think, you know, about that and make a decision like maybe I should be buying instead of paying for, you know, a two bedroom apartment and I don't have parking, I don't have space, I don't have peace. Like all of these different things that are going through the average person's mind. So um, a few months ago, the initial increase was anywhere between two and five percent. 
for one-year leases and then 4 to 7% for two-year leases, which is absolutely insane. We're literally talking about charging mortgage rates. Like you're charging a mortgage rate for a rental property. Um, I am going to talk about this in more detail in next week's episode, um, which is why I invite you guys, if you're listening to this, to send me what you think. You know, send me your thoughts. Tell me what you think, how you feel about this rent increase for stabilized housing. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Who Who is it benefit? Does it benefit tenants or is it going to benefit homeowners? Um, your mayor, Mayor Adams, he's backing this 100%. I mean, you know, I have my opinions about this administration and it seems like every administration that comes in through the New York government um excuse my language, but they shit on the little people and they make this excuse about things needing to be balanced. Well, nothing is balanced in New York City. Nothing is balanced in the five boroughs at all. And the only way this works is for the gentrification of a lot of these neighborhoods, for people who don't never grew up here, never lived here, and they're coming from the Midwest and from the South and they're getting all of these good paying jobs and all of these things, and that's who it's benefiting. But for the New Yorkers who grew up here, spent their whole lives here, it does not benefit them. Um, and we're definitely gonna talk about this more in um, next week's episode. I don't wanna you know, go off on a tangent, but I'm gonna leave my email address in the show notes. You guys can email me your thoughts, what you think, how you feel. There will be a poll up on Spotify, so you can take that poll. And um, let me know your thoughts, and then we're going to discuss it on next week's episode. All right, guys, so let's get into today's topic. Um, So I talk about the home buying process, the journey from start to finish. Uh, One of the things that I try to kind of be neutral on is the loan product. So there are so many loan products. There are so many different lenders you can go to to get your mortgage loan and all of those things. So I don't want to talk about it as an expert because the experts will be your mortgage loan officers, your bank. Those are your experts. However, I do want to educate you guys on the type of loan products that are available to you. We'll talk about four of the major ones today, and then we'll talk about the requirements and how you can qualify for those specific loan products. Okay, so let's start by just naming, um, I'm going to tell you guys the four main loan products that we have available These are the main ones, and I'm sure there are others, but these are the ones that I'm familiar with that most of my clients work with. There is conventional, FHA, VA, and USDA. So those are the four main uh, loan products. And with each of these loan products, they are backed by Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, so they're government and federally backed, but there is distinct differences. So with your conventional loan, so this is the one most home buyers would uh, normally gravitate to or be offered. And in order to qualify for a conventional home loan, there are a few things you need to meet. So we'll start with credit because we always talk about credit, right? So typically the lowest credit score for a conventional loan is 620 or higher. 
Um, however, the higher your credit score, um, the more chances of you getting approved for a higher amount and get you the better mortgage rate. So higher credit is always best. You also want to have stable employment and income. So most lenders, and that's this is what most of these loan products, you need at least two years employment history from a reliable source of income. And with that, there's a kind of a caveat to it because I have, or I know a nurse who works with multiple hospitals throughout the year. So she'll do three months at one hospital and then six months at another. So her employer kind of changes because she's a traveling nurse. However, because she's been a nurse for 15 years and she stayed in that industry, she qualifies for the two-year employment history. So just keep that in mind that you're in the same industry if you're a chef and you're in the restaurant industry and you decided, okay, if I've been here for three years, I want to go somewhere else. When you apply for a mortgage loan, they'll take that into account that you're still within the restaurant industry. Next, DTI, debt to income ratio. This is one of the things that a lot of people miss when they are applying for a mortgage. Now your DTI or your debt to income is an important factor in determining your eligibility. So you can make all the money and we can make six figures, but if your DTI is above 43% for a conventional loan, um, if it's above 43%, meaning 43% of your monthly debt obligations exceeds your, your gross monthly income. So basically your debt obligations I said that backwards. Your debt obligations, so car loans, student loans, credit card payments, um, any type of loans that you have should not exceed 43% of your gross monthly income. Now, remember at the beginning of the show, I said it's important to know your numbers. Always know your numbers. Your DTI is one of them. And I do have a DTI calculator on my website, which will be linked in the show notes. You can head to my website to calculate your debt to income to see if you need to work on some things or maybe you're okay. But basically you're going to add up all of your debt, the minimum monthly payments for all of your debt, and then subtract it from your gross monthly income. Rent is not included. So if you pay rent, that is not included in your debt, in, um, in your debt that you have monthly because they will factor in the uh, mortgage. So they'll it'll basically balance itself out with that. Now with conventional, you will need a 3% down payment minimum. So conventional has the lowest down payment amount. It is 3%, but it's always recommended to have more. And when they say more, some people say 10%, some people say 20%. I say do what you can that's reasonable, but 3% is the minimum. But you need to keep in mind, the lower the down payment, the higher you will have a PMI, which is your private mortgage insurance. And of course, the higher your mortgage payments will be because you have a lower down payment. So just keep that in mind. Also with conventional loans, we have appraisal and property requirements. I did touch on appraisals in a previous episode, so check the show notes for that episode. But you want to make sure your home appraises for what it's worth. The lenders want to make sure that if you're buying this house for $500,000, 
that it's worth the $500,000 you're borrowing. Lenders will not pay more than what the home is worth. So if that $500,000 home that you offer to purchase is only worth $475,000, the lender will only lend up to that $475,000 and you as the buyer would have to come up with the difference or negotiate with the seller to bring down the price. So keep that in mind. And then with all of these products, you want to make sure you have documentation. So you will need your pay stubs. You will need your tax returns. You will need bank statements and employment verification. If you know you want to get into home ownership, start getting those things prepared now. Know where to find them, know how to print them, know how to access them. Because, and I stress this, that is one of the things that can kill a deal or deter you and completing the process because you have to, I have to go here to get this. I have to go here to get that. I have to wait three days to get this. Have access to these things now. If you know it takes two months for your employer to get employment verification, do it two months ahead of time. If you know that you need to give your employer three days to get you your pay stubs because your pay stubs are digital and you can't really print them, give yourself that time to gather all of these documents because you will need them. And it's always better to be prepared. It's best to be prepared. And I know we live in a digital world and you can just email and screenshot and all of that, but um, backup, have backup. That's what I always say. It's better to have it than not to have it. All right, so now we're gonna talk about FHA. FHA is my favorite because a lot of people can qualify for it because of the low credit score requirement. So with FHA, the low credit score is around 560, 580, so you can have a lower credit score. However, some lenders may want you to have a larger down payment. So you might have to do 5 to 10% with the lower credit score. Um, again, you will have to verify two years of employment history, and your debt to income is still going to be at about 43 to 47%. It varies based on the lender. So it can fluctuate with all of these loan products. They will vary from lender to lender. So keep that in mind. Now the down payment for FHA, here's is the big difference. It's a 3.5%. So it's a lower credit score, but you have a little bit more obligation than someone with a perfect credit score. So they want to keep it balanced and not feel like they're penalizing people with, you know, good credit. And so... That's at least that's what I think. And that's why the um, down payment for the FHA loan is 3.5%. Again, most people who use FHA loans have a lower credit score. Um, and so they go with that option because they will get qualified more with that with that option. However, you will, however, excuse me, you may have a higher down payment. And of course, your mortgage rate will be a little bit higher as well. Um, with FHA, property requirements are a little bit different. It has to pass an FHA appraisal instead of a regular appraisal, which means it's a little bit more stringent. They're checking for a little bit more things, other things than a typical appraisal. So you're looking at banisters and steps and all of those things and making sure that the home is livable and movable and you can move in without any issues. Um, so if you are looking at a fixer-upper, I'm um, being like a real fixer-upper. FHA will not approve of it. 
um, because with FHA, you have to actually live in, you have to be the primary resident. Um, and if you're using a multifamily F for FHA, you have to live in one of the units. So it's not very good for um, fix and flippers. Um, I will never encourage people to do anything illegal. Um, so just keep that in mind. Also with FHA, there is a mortgage insurance premium. Now this MIP is paid upfront and annually. And the MIP or mortgage insurance premium protects your lender in case you decide to default on your loan. It protects them so they don't end up losing out. And sometimes that upfront MIP can be financed into your loan amount and then you would just pay it annually as part of your monthly mortgage payment. So again, becoming a homeowner, you guys, it's 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 a lot, you know, um, but it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. But you should know what you're getting into. You should know all of these things as you um, begin to go on this process. So I do want to note that FHA loans are insured by the Federal Housing Administration. So it's the federal government, but they're offered by approved lenders. So the lender has to be approved to offer these uh, this type of loan. And like I said, different lenders will have different requirements. So make sure that you are um, being advised accordingly. I do recommend clients to shop around. I have a preferred lender, but if you don't feel comfortable with that lender, I work in your best interest. And so, you know, there you can shop around to get what's best for you. Now, this next type of loan is my favorite loan. It is the VA loan. Um, I think it's a great way to show our appreciation to our veterans and military personnel. So obviously you do need to be a current or former member of the military that includes veterans, active duty service members, National Guard members, and reservists, um, as well as spouses and children of deceased military personnel may also be eligible. Um, so this is a great way, like I said, to show our appreciation to our servicemen and their hard work, dedication, and sacrifice to protecting this country and to their families as well. Um, so you will need to obtain a COE, which is a certificate of eligibility from the VA. So you can go online and apply for it, or you can have your lender assist you in getting it, but you need to get it so that the lender knows that you are eligible for this type of loan. Now there are minimum service requirements. So it varies based on the era that you served. So for most veterans, they need to have served 90 consecutive days during wartime or 181 days of active service during peacetime. So um, there's a little bit of service requirements and the National Guards and reservists, they may have different requirements, but you would again, check with the VA for that. Now your credit score and income, there's not a set minimum, but lenders will have their own kind of credit score standard and they will go off that. Usually it's about 620 or higher. Um, and then you would need to demonstrate stable income that is sufficient to cover your monthly mortgage payments. So it's 100% backed by um, the VA. However, you do still make those mortgage payments. There's no down payment for you. You don't come out of your pocket for anything, but you still have to make the monthly mortgage payment. Um, and then the property that you do intend to purchase must meet the VA's minimum 
property requirements. So that's making sure it's safe, habitable, and structurally sound. So it's kind of like an appraisal process, but not really an appraisal. It just has to, you have to be able to live in it and live in it for a while, right? Before anything happens. Um, So there is a funding fee. So this fee is typically what helps what helps the VA fund the program. And it's based on different factors, such as your military category. So whether you're Navy, Army, Marines, Air Force, um, the down payment amount, but it's 100% down payment. And whether it's your first or subsequent use of the VA loan benefit. So uh, that fee will be determined from that. And again, even though the VA guarantees this loan, Actual loans that are provided by each approved lender will vary from lender to lender. Okay. And so our final loan product, and this is one that most people are not familiar with, but I'm pretty sure if you've been doing your research or on social media, you have heard about the USDA home loan. So most New Yorkers know we live in a metropolitan, right? We don't live in the suburbs. We live in the city. This loan product, the USDA home loan, is for rural development and eligible rural and suburban areas. So you can always check the USDA's eligibility map or consult with your uh, USDA approved lender to determine if the property that you're interested in qualifies. I will also have a link to that website in the show notes so you guys can head to that website. And if you're trying to move out of New York City, which there are quite a few people, uh, quite a few of us who are ready to get up out of here. But if, if that's something that you are um, ready to do, the USDA home loan may be a good option for you. So uh, obviously, based on the location, the um, income limits is based on the area's median income. So we don't do averages in real estate because of all of the outliers, if we did averages, it would be, the statistics would be just very inaccurate. So we do we do the median income and that's like somewhere in the middle, right? It's like the number in the middle. It's not too high, not too low, but it's right there in the middle. And that's what it's based off of. So that means your household income must be within that specified limit to qualify. And then it will de- vary depending on the location and the size of your household. So keep that in mind. Credit score, they don't really take that into account, but your lender might. And again, it can be anywhere from 620 to 640 minimum. It depends on your lender. Always shop around if you have to, if you must. And then the debt to income ratio for USDA is a little bit lower. So it's at 41% and sometimes lower. So this means your total monthly debt obligations, including your mortgage payment, should not exceed 41% of your gross monthly income. So that is your income before taxes. I, I want to stress that the income that lenders look at is your income before taxes and not your net income. Keep that in mind. That is one of the most important factors in determining what you can afford to pay because they take into account your income before taxes. You may need to refigure your numbers on what you can actually afford. 
okay? Don't say I didn't warn you. Don't say it. You never heard me say it. I've said it a lot of times, especially on this episode. I have said it quite a few times. So keep that in mind. Um, of course, you should have stable employment history. Again, it's based on the lender. They want to see two years. And the property requirements, it just has to be in an eligible area and meet minimum property standards to ensure it's safe. Um, and that is all of the loan products. Now, in order to determine which one is right for you, obviously you're going to have to speak with a lender. Um, Again, two of these loan products are very, very specifically based or specific for a type of person, the VA and the USDA. However, conventional and FHA can be for anyone um, and you would just have to speak with your lender to see which one and which option is best for you. So that is it for today's episode. Um, I hope you guys feel a lot more educated and empowered today, empowered to know what's available to you, know what's out there, but also empowered to take control of your finances, take control of your numbers, know your numbers, know what you make, know what you bring in, know what you can afford. I am going to start offering resources for those of us who need to work on our credit, who need to um, become better at saving and budgeting. I talk to a lot of people um, that can help you guys. And so I want to start including that um, in these topics and, and discussing these things with you guys. So that is something that I am working on. I'm working on trying to get some of the, some of my amazing friends and colleagues onto the show. Everyone is so busy, but it's going to happen. It's coming. Again, make sure you guys answer the question from the beginning of the show. My email will be in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram, Shakira D. Realtor. Um, yes, and I will see you guys in the neighborhood next week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good one. Bye.